Today I'm chatting with Dan Titus from NBC Sports Edge, All Roto World, and Yahoo Fantasy, Yahoo Sports. Uh, chatting with him about life as a fantasy basketball analyst. He's obviously got uh, a lot going on and probably not enough hours in the week. Let's go balls deep. Welcome to another episode of the Balls Deep Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Fantasy Basketball International. Uh, FBIbasketball.com is our website. Uh, you'll find all of our content over there. At AdamKing91 on Twitter is where you will find me. As I said, today, uh, joined by Dan Titus, uh, part of our one-on-one interview series. Um, these will be coming out over the next couple of months when the fantasy content starts winding down. Dan, thank you for jumping on with me. How are you, man? Doing great, Adam. And uh, thank you for having me on. And I know you have a great list of guests, so I'm honored to be a part of the, a part of the process. And uh, yeah, man, happy to talk about family, everything I do outside of fantasy basketball, which isn't much, but uh, yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no all, look all it, is life <laughs> that's right that's right well yeah we I, I like to think that unfortunately my job gets in the way sometimes <laughs> um so I guess so, so for, for me I, fantasy basketball was a hobby turned into a job but I still have a full-time job going on sort of on the side I uh talking with Zach he he's sort of similar he has a full-time job as well as the fantasy job in your situation, is this is this what you do, or do you have another job as well? Yeah, so my my journey has been kind of weird, unorthodox. Um, I actually quit my job right before the pandemic to pursue um, working in sports, and I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, frankly, I uh, I had a had a marketing degree uh, coming out of college, and then I got into aerospace and defense for eleven years, doing different program management and operational type functions for satellite and missile defense. And a lot to say, I mean, it was cool, you know, putting satellites in the sky and, and, and shooting missiles and stuff, but it just wasn't for me. I was the guy that I was always having to leave, you know, closed areas to check my fantasy rosters, make sure I'm making my pickups and stuff like that. So I've always been like a diehard fantasy guy and um, I'm 37 now and, you know, it's not a very ideal career, career shift um, when you're doing something completely different. But I think my, my journey has been a bit of luck. Uh, grind and, and also opportunity. And I'm fortunate to say like now I'm full time in the industry, but it def- definitely didn't start that way, nor did I have the the uh, thought that it could actually be something uh, in a full time capacity. And so for you, like I know talking to to Zach and, and a few of the for you guys over there in the States, the, the entry into fantasy basketball came via fantasy football or, yeah. or like a path like so for you was was fantasy basketball always number one or, or were there other other sports that sort of led you to this space yeah i started playing fantasy basketball actually first it was a, a company called small world where you would do uh, it was like a salary cap it was dfs before dfs but it was in a season-long form so there were salaries attached to each player and you would build your roster based on your salary cap and then the salary would grow based on performance so um you know this is the era of Shaq. You know, Kevin Garnett, yeah. Tim Duncan, like these were the top picks, Allen Iverson. 
Um, so I was always a huge basketball head. So I think it was pretty easy for me to, you know, go from being interested in statistics, just looking at basketball cards to, you know, playing fantasy. And there's just like a really interesting way for me to engage with my friends. And I always thought it was cool. And then as time progressed, you know, I got into fantasy football, started playing fantasy baseball. Um, but the opportunity to cover fantasy basketball didn't really start until I quit my job in the pandemic. Actually, it was right before the bubble. I started covering all of the other news around basketball uh, for fantasy pros. And then that kind of got my foray into, you know, actually talking about this in a in at least a more of just a hobby. And then it became more of something I actually wanted to pursue. Yeah. So so that's I mean, that's a pretty as you said, that's an interesting time to decide to make a career choice before the, the <laughs> pandemic because uh, i mean yeah. uh, sort of being involved with a few different companies over there i, I know talking to people that during the pandemic it, it was hard like that people were laid off and that sort of thing because mm-hmm. just because companies were we didn't know what the future sort of held so i guess you sort of went that other way and, and decided to change things up and and take a risk um yeah and, and so in terms of, I mean, we'll transition to family later, but I can just imagine if I'd done something like that, I'm not sure how my wife would have reacted if I'd gone to her and said, I'm quitting. Hey, guess job. what? I'm going to be broke for the next two years. You want to take this ride with me? Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that's pretty much what it was, man. Um, I'm fortunate. Like my wife is cool as shit. Um, I'm very fortunate that she was able to understand my passion and really wanting me to go for it. And I think that one of the things that she realized over the course of the last 10 years of me doing other things that I was never really happy, like I would come home and, you know, I'll just be kind of like not really into like just my life. You know, I had to commute over two hours to work every day and just that grind just started to wear on me. Um, so switching it up, not really, you know, realizing that we were in a financial position that she could hold it down for a certain amount of time, but like I'd have to secure something within the near future yes. uh, to, to make this work. And fortunately, you know, I, I got an opportunity to um, learn a lot of different things over the course of, you know, two and a half years in, in the pandemic from production to honing in on my writing to uh, doing video production, um, audio. And so I was able to find a role at Action Network first as a producer. And I got, also got to um, have a podcast, too. So that was actually great that I was still able to practice my craft and my, my passion for fantasy basketball all while doing another job. And then fortunately, an opportunity came up with Yahoo! Um, last summer that I wasn't expecting at all. I was just going to freelance with them and uh, wind up turning into a full-time opportunity. So I would say shoot your shot always. Um, Networking is key, especially in this industry. And I think that's the one thing I've always liked a lot about fantasy basketball and just this community is that everyone's very collaborative, wants to help each other out. Um, It's not like the toxic, you know, annoying stuff that you see on fantasy football Twitter. That's like people just coming at each other, being very, very negative about everything. It seems like everything in basketball is very uplifting and it's actually really dope. Um, so I'm really happy to to be a part of this community and like just kind of grow into it. Yeah, look, I think Zach and I spoke about this as well. The, the I mean, I I'm not I've never been part of that fantasy football community, and I'm not being from Australia. <laughs> yeah. uh, NFL is not something we grow up with, so it's not it's not something that I follow. I mean, I know enough to get by, but um, my yeah, I mean, I've been I guess part of the the fantasy basketball community for. Oh, I don't know, six years, something like that. Um, and it is, you're right, it's very collaborative. Like everyone helps each other. There's no um, jockeying for position or anything right, like that. Right. It's You just, you are who you are. You do what you do and, and we all promote each other's stuff. So um, that's probably one of the most enjoyable parts for me is just getting to meet and talk with 
range of people. Um, everyone's friendly. And just going back to what you said when you sort of got into fantasy basketball when Shaq was playing, Tim Duncan. Yeah. Um, that was before my time in terms of fantasy. Um, NBA, the, the exposure we've had to NBA here in Australia has grown substantially in the last decade. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember as a kid, we, we got one game a week and it was on, it was a replay that was at midnight sort of thing. So it was Man. all about reading newspapers and, and ch- yeah. checking box scores and then basketball cards were a big part of it oh, as yeah. well. Um, but there was, we did a during, I think it was during the pandemic. It, w- it was when the, I think it was when the league went into sort of that hiatus of we don't actually know what's how we're going to look moving forward. And there was a, a period of time where there was just no basketball and nothing happening. And we ran a, with Josh, uh, Josh Lloyd actually put it together and we did a, I think we called it a historical fantasy draft or something. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and we drafted players based on specific seasons. So like Michael Jordan, 88, 89 oh, yeah. season would be your first pick. Um, and we and he, we put all the projections together and, and came out with the, the whoever had the best squad and that and that was just going back through some of those stats from the nineties, like David Robinson four blocks. David Robinson's game, rookie right? season, man, twenty four points, twelve rebounds, four blocks, almost two steals. Like, can you imagine that in this day and age? No, nah, like, I can't. <laughs> no. Uh, although Wembenyama, let we'll, I mean, we'll yeah. Get, We'll get to him. We'll get to him a little bit later, but yeah. Um, so, so okay. So, fantasy obviously now takes up a lot of your time professionally. Yeah. It's what you do. Um, and you mentioned to me you've got a two-year-old, so your your two-year-old will take up probably oh, yeah. the majority of <laughs> of your time away from basketball. So, but I mean, outside of outside of this space, what what is it that you like to do? Like what hobbies? Um, Obviously, there's family thing. You, you do things together as a family. But what sure. what other things do you enjoy doing? Yeah, before the pandemic, it was definitely a lot of traveling. And uh, my wife and I, big, big food lovers. So, you know, if we can try um, any kind of new restaurant that comes out that's in the area, we're, we're definitely interested in that. Um, as well as, like, just I, I don't have a lot of friends out in the Bay Area um, in terms of, like, I never really was that guy to, to make friends at work. Um, I feel way better being at Yahoo doing that, even though I'm remote, like just being able to talk shop and, and talk sports to people versus like, you know, what's happening in engineering um, is way more interesting to me. But uh, yeah, so I, I try to spend time with my friends and family as much as I can. Um, with life of a two year old, most much of my, my days and my weekends are finding the latest playground or the newest playground, um, new activities for him to do and just get immersed in. And that changes by the day. Honestly, one time it's Coco Melon. The next thing it's like, hey, let's go play hoops. So, um, yeah, just doing that. And one other thing I picked up um, actually over the last couple of years is golf because yeah. all the hoops around me in the Bay Area were taken down during the pandemic. Um, I had to find somewhere to get outside and do something. And fortunately, the golf courses were always open. So I'm working on my swing. It's not quite yeah. there yet, but, you know, I'm, I'm still I'm trying to break 90. That's my goal right now. So, you know, steady. It's going to be it's going to be some time. But I'm going to be that old head that's going to be like, you know, 60 70 years old that's going to be like you know just hitting straight down the line dead center yep. that that's my goal yeah oh no look i i i get that yeah i mean golf is is something that i've played played just socially i've never never played competition or anything like yeah, that no. um 
but then obviously yeah when kids come like the, the group of friends that i regularly played with we all have kids and 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 they get older but my kids now are are, are both almost teenagers so i'm at a point now where i can start playing again a little bit more yeah, regularly yeah. um and having had a, a torn my acl last year um mm. my basketball career is well, it's pretty much done for now, at least um, for the next few years. Um, and so golf is for me, again, that's where, where I'll be looking to sort of get out and, and just be outdoors and doing things and doing some activity. Um, but mean to ask I just, you, Adam, what, what yep. is the savages? Who's, so who are is, the savages? This is uh, Dennis Rodman's high school jersey. Sick. <laughs> yeah. Dope. So he's that's why my Twitter handle is 91. Um, ah, for, now for it all Rodman. makes sense. Um, all, right. all right. My yeah, my my registration or license plate on my car uh, is 91 as well. Um <laughs> that's, that's sick. Yeah, I've got yeah, tattoos are the same. I've got um so my my registration on my car is Triple H and 091 and Triple H is the wrestler. Um, oh yeah, I love Triple and, H. Hunter Host Helmsley. Yeah, yeah. So my son's name is Hunter. Um, <laughs> so he, so he's dope. named after him, and I've got Triple H tattoo there, and on my arm there. So, so yeah, do you he, remember when he first came out as Hunter Hearst Helmsley? Yeah, I do. Yep. Nice, nice. I feel like most yep. people don't remember that. They always remember Triple H and the DX movement, but uh, yeah, yeah, I remember. No. I remember him from uh, way back when. Yeah, when he was uh, a Greenwich, he was like a, a Greenwich sort of um, yeah. high class guy who looked down yeah. at everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, wrestling is another. I mean, not as much anymore. I don't watch it as much anymore. But through the probably from sort of the the mid nineties through that to, was the era. Yeah, that was yeah, yeah. The, the John, I missed era. the John Cena. Weirdly, John Cena just followed me on Twitter. I was like, oh, that's tight. But I'm actually not even that big of a fan of John Cena. Like, I didn't watch John <laughs> Cena wrestling at all. It was always like. Um, I mean, my days were like the nine, like the early nineties, like one, two, three kid and yeah. you know, Yoko Zuna and, you know, diesel before he was Kevin Nash and razor Ramon, like that, that was the era of, and then obviously the rock and stone cold and all those guys too. But yeah. Um, but after they all left and kind of moved out, I was like, eh, I'm kind of cool on, on, on WWE for now. Yeah. I, I still sort of keep one eye on it. Um, and we've got the, a few of our streaming services over here now have, have picked up the WWE network. So um, it's included as part of our package. So we can watch nice. all the pay-per-views and stuff for free. Um, so I have been keeping an eye like WrestleMania is what two, three weeks away or something, mm -hmm. I think. So, so I'll probably watch it. Um, but I, yeah, I was a bit the same once, once all those guys that I grew up with sort of transitioned out, uh, I lost a bit of interest and a few of them probably hung on too long. Um, and just yeah. trying to keep wrestling. And they... I think Ric Flair's still out there, man. Like, I don't He's know. still around. He's still around. Um, and, and and surprisingly, like quite a few of them have actually gone on to be good actors. Um, yeah. As as we've seen, The Rock. The obviously, Miz has kind of made it a little bit, which I'm kind of um, surprised about. But yeah, yeah The Rock yeah. is um, John Cena. He, he's John he's, Cena. he's yeah. a good actor now. Batista. Um, that's been, that's you know, right. You know, good point. A yeah. lot of good movies. Mm -hmm. So. Um, well, yeah, I mean, that sort of transition, I suppose, do you, uh, is something, because for, for me, movies, TV, I, I love watching movies and TV. Is that something that you sort of try to do when you do have some downtime or are you more of a book person? Um, I'm actually a true crime guy. Um, mm. I watch a lot of ID, um, investigative discovery, true TV, murder mystery stuff, everything on HBO Max. Um, 
you know, from Game of Thrones to, you know, back in the day, The Sopranos. I still watch the Wire reruns if I really have time on my hands. Um, yeah, I've always been a, an HBO loyalist. And, and now I'd say it's more so FX. I watch everything that's on FX um, from, you know, The Walking Dead to Snowfall to Dave. Um, but much of my time, I'd say like the, the time that I get to spend, you know, late night if I'm not watching a 7 p.m. Uh, get Warriors game or or the the Kings, I'll probably throw on some trash TV on Netflix. Yeah. You know, I definitely got some guilty pleasures in there that I probably don't want to admit to. But uh, <laughs> 90 Day Fiance was definitely up there for quite some time. Yeah. Oh no, look, I think we, we all have our we all have our shows that we don't want to talk about. But um, yeah, and I saw so the Wire. I mean, the Wire was something I I never really got into the Wire, but I saw that Lance Lance Reddick passed away. Yeah, yeah, great um, actor. And, and I didn't know him from The Wire. I knew him from John Wick. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it was great in that movie. Uh, yeah, only, and, and, and I mean, the new one's obviously just about, to, well, it comes out here, I think, next week. Mm-hmm. Um, so he'll be in that. So yeah, that was that was a bit of a bit of a shock. Um, yeah, I don't mind those true crime. We get a lot of those true crime things as well. Um, but then I, yeah, Game of Thrones, um, Rings of Power, I watched like, all, all of those sorts of big. Um, I just finished watching The Last of Us. Which I haven't was... got. I got into two episodes, so I need to. I need to get through it. Um, yeah. I was impressed with the first two episodes. I've heard a, a couple of mixed reviews, but I definitely need to finish it. Yeah, I thought it was awesome. Um, I mean, my bar's pretty low. Like I just like TV, so it doesn't <laughs> take too much. Um, and then at the moment, I'm working my way through the league. I've never watched the league, um, which is that that show about yeah, fantasy football. Well, uh, at least they met. Is it all about? Yeah, it's all about fantasy football, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So a, a lot of my mates who I play with have watched it and told me to watch it, and I just never have. But um, I'm just getting into that now, and it's, so far I'm, I'm I'm impressed. So, um, so you said prior to uh, sort of moving into this space, you you travelled a lot. Any mm-hmm. any sort of favourite destinations anywhere that you've been that you sort of would love to go back to? Uh, I think Tokyo was definitely up there. I didn't spend enough time. I was there for about three or four days and I was doing like a couple of, it was like a hopper kind of trip. So I spent three yeah. days in, in Tokyo, uh, a few days in Okinawa. And then I went a few, few days in, in uh, Seoul, Korea, South, blah, blah, Seoul, South Korea. Um, and I, I thought Tokyo was just amazing. Just the food. I didn't even really get a chance to even get to the fish side of it. Like I ate a ton of ramen, um, let, a, let a little bit of sushi, but like now that I'm like really into sushi, I need to go back. And get some yeah. more bluefin tuna. Um, uh, what else? San Sebastian in Spain was was also really cool. Very uh, north northern part of Spain, um, around the, the the tip or the border of France, southern yeah. France, and um, yeah. just amazing food there. And just a very quaint, small city. Um, I think my wife saw something on like Anthony Bourdain and was like very interested in going there. And I would have never expected. Like I was thinking, like, hey, if we're going to Spain, we're going to Barcelona. Mm. Let's go to Valencia. Yeah. You know, all the bigger Madrid. Uh, which we did also go to, but I thought that the best time in terms of food, culture, and just immersion into the experience was was definitely San Sebastian. Yeah, I think you you find sometimes those smaller cities are are better. They're less touristy, um, a yeah. little bit more niche. Uh, we went to we went to to Spain um, to Barcelona, and it was fine, but it was it was just another big city sort of thing. Right, like, right. Um, but yeah, like in in Italy, we did we did Rome, we did Venice, we did those big cities, but we actually. We actually liked it down in um, on the Sorrento coast, where it's Ooh, not as yeah. not as touristy, not as popular, so less people. Um, 
so yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised that you sort of said that. And Australia, have you ever been to Australia or no? I have not, but it's on the bucket list, man. Um, definitely need to go. Now it's just a matter of like, can we, how do we orchestrate keeping a two-year-old chill on, on that, on that long of a flight? And then what else is the, uh, you know, what's the, the, what's the jumping off point? Like we should probably stop at a city first, spend some time there and then continue the flight on. So yeah, I think we're going to pro- try, probably try to plan that out over the next decade or so. Um, yeah. I think that's going to be like the longest trip we're probably going to have to make. Yeah. It's about a, what is it? A 20 hour flight, something like that. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, it's a long one. Uh, a two-year-old, that'd be tricky with a two-year-old. Um, yeah, we'll probably have to wait till he's um, at least able to like sit in his chair and be a yeah. civil human being for, for more than yeah. a couple of hours. Yeah, yeah, I think so. But yeah, I mean, plenty to see over here, but it is, it's a, it's a lot of, because uh, generally you'll go to the capital cities, a lot of, there's quite a lot of a big distance between cities over here, um, which, I mean, it's not, not unlike America, I suppose, but because Australia has a big empty spot in the middle where no one really lives. Um, <laughs> you're sort of looking at, yeah, like from one side to the other, it's five, six hours. Um, okay. That's drivable but, for me. Like I would, I would drive about that to go to college. Yeah. Oh no, that's flying. That. Oh, flying. Oh yeah. 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 Never mind. No, that's no, like pretty no. much a cross country trip right there. Driving. Uh, it's, Oh God, I'd have to put this in miles. Um, kilometers to miles so from from one side of the country i think it's uh, it's over two thousand miles i think i have a feeling it's about three and a half thousand kilometers okay um from one side to the other so anyway it's doable um so the one question that I'm going to be, I'm asking everyone that comes on here and, and I mean, the answers are going to change depending on when I talk to people, but sure. if we were drafting next week, for instance, where are you taking Wembenyama? Oh, so many factors because we don't know where the landing spot is. Uh, no. Yeah. The situation is certainly going to matter, but you know, I was trying to go back and, and look at some historical rookie seasons for some reason i kept on getting drawn to carl anthony towns yep. 18 points 11 rebounds a couple of assists with almost two blocks and a steal shot 54 percent from the field um i think that that's probably a good i feel like that's a good floor for him um because i but I, the thing i have questioned like is he gonna be more of like a durant or can he actually hit the bo- hit the glass like that? And mm. I think that the, the rebounds probably won't be there. I think, I think 19 points, 18, 19 points, seven or eight rebounds with like three, two or three blocks, I think is actually in the realm of possibility. So if you're, if you're getting that with efficiency, I mean, that's a, that's a third, second, third round pick. Yeah. Am I going to do it? <sighs> I feel like early third, I, I could get around, but I, I always, I also have, I'm also usually pretty hesitant on, on overdrafting rookies. I really don't like drafting rookies at all. I mean, if you look at this season alone, we have you know only a couple people in the top 100, that being Walker Kessler and, and Jalen Williams, two people that were late round picks, right? Yeah. So overspending for a rookie, but we're talking about generational alien here. So I probably wouldn't have been saying that for LeBron James or Kevin Durant or some other players that have come up um, recently. So I would say third round, early third round pick. Yeah, look, I think that's probably where I'm going to have him 
I, I fear and and I think I, I reckon he'll go first round. I, I just think people will take him <laughs> in the first round. I'm not saying I would do that. Right, right, right. But I reckon if someone on the turn, someone who has pick eleven, pick twelve, and they can get someone maybe like a Damian Lillard or mm-hmm. um, sort of a surefire thing who's going to play seventy games and you know what you're going to get. I reckon the risk will, it'll just be too tempting, and and I so I think when Benyama's ADP will be probably around the turn, maybe like fifteen, something 15, like that. Yeah, um, a little bit rich for me, but yeah, I mean, oh god, look, I, I, I but he's sort of one of those guys. I think that you're just going to want him on your team, like just mm-hmm. on our team. So. Right. He's going to have those games where he's just going to be like, oh, here's Victor Wemignano with with four blocks and two steals and like four three-pointers. Like those are the – I feel like he could do like Jaron Jackson-like things but get more rebounds. Um, Yeah. Yeah, the the rebounds are the things uh, that worry me a little bit. It's similar Mm -hmm. to what you said. I I don't think he'll be a double-digit rebounder. I think he'll be, yeah, sort of eight, seven or Mm -hmm. eight um, Mm -hmm. per game. And and I think – I think part of that will be whoever drafts him. Well, I mean, it's some of the teams that could draft him. You you have to question their coaches and their oh, front yeah. office and that sort of thing. But it would make sense to try to not have him in just constantly banging inside until his body fills out. Exactly. Um, yeah. So totally so I th- I think they are going to be okay with him playing away from the basket a little bit, uh, which he can do. So. What destination uh, would you rather see him at? Would he oh, be the best for him? I know we were talking about this last night. Actually, I went out with some some mates in my fantasy league. Um, I I don't know. I'm sort of torn. Like I, I think in terms of talent, I'd like to see him in Houston. I just think Houston have got some good young guards and good young pieces. Right. But with the coaching, with, with Silas as a coach, <laughs> uh, no. Um, much the same in Detroit. I. I don't know. I think Detroit have got some good young pieces as well. Um, probably in terms of of ex- excitement and, and watching him play, the Spurs would be bottom of my list, but I actually think they'll be the best team in terms of developing him. Right. Um, so I'm not sure. What about you? Have you got a, a preference? Uh, if Charlotte could get there, I think that that would be interesting. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Like reports came out that Michael Jordan's trying to sell. I think that's probably a good thing for, for what yep. he's done to the franchise. <laughs> yeah. Um, but at this point, like I think having him paired with a dynamic point guard would be awesome. And, and one that's also could be pass first. So I think, you know, LaMelo ball would, as much as he's improved his three point shooting this year, I think he could definitely use a, a, a Robin. And I think that that yeah. could be a great person to just throw those alleys to, you know, get involved. Um, he's definitely, I've always wanted to see what LaMelo would look like with a prominent big man or a, a, almost like a big man. Um, I think Detroit's interesting with Cade Cunningham too, but mm. Dwayne Casey's another one of those coaches where I'm like, eh, I don't think, I don't like the fantasy fit uh, for that. So, um, and I agree with you development wise. I think the San Antonio Spurs make a ton of sense just for what they can do to, to, to develop raw talent into, you know, legitimate, yep. you know, basketball players. Yeah, yeah. I, I I didn't mind Orlando when Orlando were looking like they could be in that. And I mean, technically, I suppose they could still get him, but yeah. there's, there's not a high chance. But I think Fultz has proven this season that he he's a really, really good NBA point guard. I agree. Um, and then they've got Wendell Carter Jr. You can slide him down to the four if you need to. Um, 
Franz, like they've they've got a versatile lineup. They've got guys that they can shift around. I still have hope for Suggs. I'm not. I'm not as sold on him as I was to start the season, but but mm-hmm. I still think he can be a good uh, role player on a team. So we'll yeah, see. I'm curious we'll to see. see what they do about Cole Anthony. And I, don't know, I feel like they're just backcourts getting a little bit crowded right now. And then with all of their bigs that also can handle the ball. Um, I don't know. Suggs, he, he had a couple of flash games of, you know, you really mm-hmm. saw his defensive upside um, as well as his efficiency improved. Like he was shooting 40% from three over the last, you know, several games. But, yeah, can he just keep that up? It's the consistency that I just don't know that I see yet in, in his game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, cool. Okay, look, so, that, I mean, that's probably it. I, that's about half an hour. That's what I was hoping for. Um, so before we jump off, uh, tell everyone, I guess, what you're doing. I know content is winding down a little bit, but but I'm sure you've still got some stuff going on uh, with, with both your roles. Yeah, I'll uh... – yeah, check me out on Twitter at Dan Titus, as well as uh, check me out on Yahoo.com. I have a ton of basketball content, not only closing out the season. Um, if you're vying for the fantasy championship, uh, make sure you check out my waivers piece every week. Round Ball Stew um, on that podcast with Raf Johnson. Um, check that out. We'll also be you know recording throughout the offseason, uh, giving you our hits, our misses, as also some predictions as we're going into the next season. Um and yeah, and I'll ho- hopefully I'll be doing some basketball playoff coverage for, for on the betting side of things, but we'll we'll see what happens. But yeah, uh, hit me up on Twitter. DMs are open, so always happy to answer questions uh, regarding fantasy basketball or other. Very nice, thanks, Dan. So that will uh, that will do it for today's show. Uh, remember, you can check out all of our content, uh, our Discord serv- server. We've got some playoff leagues coming up. And Matt Lawson has got a lot of Dynasty stuff coming out. Um, we'll be launching the Dynasty podcast probably in April at some point. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, follow this podcast as well on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Uh, hit the thumbs up on our YouTube show. Uh, that would be really nice. We're starting to build our following. Uh, until next time, catch up. You just listened to another episode from the Fantasy Basketball International Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us. And for more information about joining our community, please check out our website at fbibasketball.com.